0: Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host, Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Welcome back to part two of my episode with George Kuros, where we talk about his books, uh, such as Innovate Inside the Box, and other topics that are of increasing interest these days, but especially to all educators and myself. So welcome back, George. You you're, you focus a lot on the idea of innovation mm-hmm. and I I love the premise of innovate inside the box, because I, as an administrator for many years, faced that, well, we've always done it that way, which is what you talk about. And so, and you know, we're not allowed to do that. Um, You know, you talked about it toward the beginning when we first started talking. So tell me a little bit more about Innovate Inside the Box. Um, It's such a really interesting premise. And then the idea of innovation and taking it the next step. You you talk about the idea that, uh, you know, growth mindset is really important, but unless you do something with that. So I'd love for you to sort of elaborate on where the idea for Innovate Inside the Box came from and just in general, your whole focus on innovation
1: yeah so well, just starting kind of with uh the innovator's mindset and going from there first because that was kind of the beginning of innovate inside the box as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sure most people are looking at that are, are listening to this are familiar with carol Dweck's work and or like if they don't know what inside out, they probably heard it referred to with like fixed mm-hmm. and growth mindsets right and i just like a really simple analogy and and please, like anyone listening, it's like, if you really want to understand it, you know, follow Carol Dweck's stuff and look into it, because I'm going to give it basically from my perspective, mm-hmm. is really kind of teaching kids and and adults as well, that they have the abilities to kind of grow in different areas. So have that belief that I can be good at math. And if you have that perspective, you're more likely to be able to, to do these things, right? And mm-hmm. just know that basically it's like kind of like that fixed mindset would be saying something like well i'm not a math person right you're kind of like that's not who i am and growth mindset would be saying well no i actually can be a math person if i do these things right where Mm -hmm. i talk about the innovators mindset is really how do we actually get kids to see that they can only be good at math but they can actually do something with the math they learn in class where they actually apply these ideas they actually connect them they actually use them to solve problems they actually Um, use that to, you know, be empathetic to other people's experiences and things like that and create something. And, you know, like if I get an idea in my head, the only way that it actually comes to fruition for me is if i actually start creating something with it, right? Um, so like one day I wanna start a podcast, the next day I started a podcast, right? One day I'm oh, yeah. like, hey, we should do portfolios, the next day I do portfolios. And for me, like the portfolio example is really easy, is that we wanted to teach kids that process, but none of us had done it. So I'm like, Oh, if we're going to be effective at this, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to teach it from the viewpoint I learned and see what that creation's like. And yeah. 10, 11 years after we implemented our schools and I went first, I still do it. I still, I'm, I'm just, I was actually just in a meeting right now doing some revamping some, you know, reconnection, looking at my own portfolio was something I started when I was, you know, principal at K to six school in 2008, 2009, whatever. Awesome. And I think that's what we're trying to do kids like with kids and that so like when you think about schools, a lot of times when we talk about it, you know, in connection to the workforce, we're trying to prepare kids to work for other people, right? Give them the skills, like what is the workforce looking at? And for me, I'm trying to help kids create their jobs to create their own experiences, right? Like, cause that's a real powerful thing, right? I would I would like I it would be nice if I could, you know, if I could work with my own children that they don't necessarily have to work for anybody else. They can create their own opportunities. And we kind of see it as like, no, you got to like kind of work your way up to that space. And I'm like, no, you don't. There's people that are YouTubers who have never worked for anyone in their lives. They yep. are accountable to obviously to an audience and things like that in some ways. Okay. But they have a lot of freedom. They have different things. But because they... Take what they learn and they create something with it, right? A lot of people that are inventors, um, you know, creating right. new apps and things like this. There's different opportunities that we have um, in our world today. And so, really, how do we get kids and and as adults, like, how do we invent that self? And like the easiest analogy I can give you is that I have a certain curriculum that I have to teach, right? And it's like whatever state, provincial, wherever you're at, says like you must teach these things. And in some places they say, this is how you teach it. Right. And we're all, we're almost taking wisdom away from our teachers. Right. Like saying, we don't, Mm -hmm. we don't trust you to do it. We want to make sure that every kid has the same experience. I'm like, no, you, uh, do we really want every kid to have the same experience? Because not every kid's the same. And so really not every teacher
0: is to- the same either. <laughs> totally,
1: totally. And I think yeah. part of it, we say relationships are really important. Well, if relationships are really important, they're important because that means you get to know your kids. You get to know their strengths, what works for them. And so right. if you do the same, like as a teacher, you could have two different, you can work with the same class of students so you can work with two groups of grade five but that doesn't mean you're doing the same things for both groups of grade five because these kids in each class have different things so it's taking that curriculum and saying okay this is what i have to teach how do i know this and how do i actually do this in a way that's most applicable to the students in front of me and so it's Mm -hmm. kind of embodying that but sometimes we almost take away that option for our teachers right we just kind of want to like make things uh, like we do common assessments, right, mm. in our classrooms, and we kind of like say we we want every kid to get the same thing, which doesn't mean it, it's good for every kid. It's just that every kid gets yeah. the same thing, and then we feel better about ourselves. I, I don't I don't understand the process, but that's a whole other conversation. And so, um, yeah. leading to leading into the next book, Innovate of the Box, I, like we would always say in schools, and this is like. Uh, you know, like, Hey, let's like, let's really think outside the box here. Like what can we do? And people say, you know, like, if we had like $10 million and like, okay, well, that's never happening. Dream so, on. Right. And so we'd say like ridiculous things mm-hmm. that are never going to happen. Right. right? And we are like, Oh, and I, I think it's, there's things that we can do within the current constraints. So I'll give you a really great example. Brad Gustafson. He's a principal in Minnesota. Uh, is that he was talking about this um, one, I think it was like a one sentence uh, innovation, propo- or innovation proposal. So he, his teachers could actually like say like, hey, I wanna work on this thing. So they just one sentence, they'd write it to him mm-hmm. and he'd give them whatever they needed for that, right? And yeah. so somebody asked him, it's like, where'd you get the funding for that? Like, where did you get the money? He's like, well, what I did is we actually had a budget for this thing over here and we weren't using it as much. So I moved that budget to this budget. So he didn't get like extra, like people always think, oh, like, where did you get the funding? Like, where did you get the extra money? And he's like, No, we actually didn't get any extra money. We just rethought how we were using the money that we actually already have. Yeah. And so kind of looking at some of those examples, right? Mm -hmm. And there's there's been some pushback on the idea of innovate inside the box, because like, oh, the systems need to change. Yeah, of course they need to change. But uh, my co-author on the book, Katie Novak, she 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 said it really well. She said, you know. Like we need to continuously push to make the system better for every single one of our kids. And I 100% agree with that. But that being said, this is the only year your grade three kids have grade three. So what are we gonna do to make sure that this is the best experience possible for what we have for our kids? And I think that's something that's really important to me is that, yeah, like I remember actually, I remember in high school, um, I remember like leaving high school, And then coming back to like, go see a tournament, you know, when I was like in my third year out and like, just the gym was way nicer. And you have all these, like, I'm like, why didn't we have this in our school? Right. Like, and I think every kid that goes back to the school, sees like, wow, like we didn't have that when we were kids. (laughs) And of course, like, you know, teachers are trying to make school better. We're trying to do better things. right? Right. But it doesn't actually make my experience less. Right. Like I had a a good experience with what we had at that time. And I think it's really understanding that, yeah, of course, we got to continuously push. Like, of course we need to like better fund our schools and things like that. Mm -hmm. But we also have to understand like there are certain constraints that we work within like, I'd be another beautiful example. When I was mentioning um, Norway earlier, Mm -hmm. that class, they actually, they had in that high school, it was the same class of students had English on Monday, that was it. They just had English on Monday, right? Mm -hmm. Then they might have math on Tuesday, all day math. And then they might have uh, social studies on Wednesday. And what they could do with a full day of English, once a week, was incredible cause they could really dig into stuff. They could really go deep. And I remember actually asking, I said, well, that's, that's interesting, but how are your math teachers dealing with this? Cause like I had a perception of how math was taught from when I went to high school, right? Sure. You're gonna like lecture, show examples for 45 minutes and kids- Let's are have do
0: work problems, this, yeah. Right?
1: Cause like we only got an hour. And so like, we gotta give them some, you gotta like teach them some concepts and then we gotta have that time. Yes. And I remember what the, the, the person was asking, she said, well, they weren't really that excited. Um, when we first did it. Now they will not leave. Like they they cannot go back to teaching an hour of math because actually teaching uh, math all day okay. to the same group of kids forces you to teach it in a different way. And now they're actually doing much more applicable problems, like more, you know, real life experiences implemented into math that they weren't able to do within an hour constraint. Okay. And so the reason I bring that up when we talk about that concept of innovate inside the box was. When they looked at their standards from uh, the country of Norway, um, like they said, you must teach English X amount of minutes to your kids per year. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, they didn't say you have to teach it five days a week. They didn't have to say it had to be split up in hour of things. They just said we have to teach an amount of minutes. Uh-huh. So, it was, that's it. so they said, like, here's the constraint that we have. Mm-hmm. How do we do this in a better way? And it's interesting because Um, I've seen, I actually read an article on this yesterday that some, for safety reasons, I understand they're trying to have kids with less exposure, Mm -hmm. um, to other students. So instead of doing like five classes for two semesters, some of these high schools are going to like quarters, right. Or, and they're doing like two months where the kids will be in one class all morning and then they will be in another class Ah. for the entire afternoon. So there's less like movement and Mm -hmm. things like that. And what some of them are realizing is like, oh, this is actually pretty good because now I have more time. Like one of the things we always say in high school is like, like, hey, we got to it's harder to build relationships because we're not with our kids that long. Right. So yes. why not actually change the classes so you're with the same group of kids for a longer amount of time? Mm-hmm. And so not only do they actually get to do things in a different way because they have more time with these students per mm-hmm. day. Um, but they get to know their kids better. And if you build relationships with your students and so like COVID has actually forced some of that. Now the question, like, I've also heard somebody say like, <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. And I was kind of disappointed. They're like, yeah, well now we have to do these quarter things. So we're like with the same group of kids for like half a day. And I'm like, why is that a bad thing? Oh, right. Gosh, like, and, yes. because, and I think part of it is because the reason they had an issue with it is because they struggled. Moving away from teaching an hour at a time, Mm -hmm. and so they're like, "Well," and so like you, if you're with kids for three hours, and you're like, "Well, I'm not gonna do," like it's gonna suck to do the same thing I did for three hours. Yeah, it is. If you lecture kids for an or 45 minutes, 50 minutes of problems, and you do that three times, yes, that's a terrible way. So the three hours should actually give you a totally different way to Mm -hmm. think about how you teach in that time constraint because it's yeah. trying to like use the old model in a new time frame, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying what does the new time frame allow us to do that we couldn't do before where we can actually yeah. focus on the things that are here like, hey, look, I don't have time to get through the content. Like I want to do these innovative things, but I got so much content. And so- then
0: when they finally get the time, it's like but I, you know, I don't I know
1: how to, to use to, it. Yeah. Yes. And, and Like that was a very rare experience. That conversation that I had, I was, I was actually shocked mm-hmm. um, when I heard it, but I've also heard a lot of people say like, Hey, there's, there's something different we can do now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the whole concept is that um, we also, when you think about that notion of innovate inside the box, like you always hear "Oh, like the system, the system. Well, actually we are the system. We have a lot more control than we pretend mm-hmm. we do. And so, yeah why it shouldn't have taken COVID for people to change like, hey, maybe we could spend more time with kids because I've been advocating for schools to do that for a while. Mm -hmm. And some of them only started doing it when COVID happened, right when they were forced to do so. And I've been saying this to like a lot of and this is something I've really challenged people because like leaders will say to me, you know, well, we can't get our people to move, we can't get our people to do something different. And I'm like, Maybe it's not your people. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're doing something mm-hmm. wrong. Cause I can't control, I can't control their people. But what I can do is if some people don't grasp onto their ideas, what I'm going to do is say my ideas, but louder, right? And it's like, well, <laughs> no, it is probably going to become more annoying than anything. Yes. It's like, okay, well, okay, this approach didn't work. Yeah. So why not take this approach? Which is actually mm-hmm. really good teaching as well. So of like, hey, mm-hmm. kids didn't understand when I explained it this way. So I'm not gonna explain it harder this way. I'm gonna actually think of a different way for kids to understand it, which is the same thing that we should expect of our leaders is like, don't blame people for not moving forward. Right. Look at what your practice is mm-hmm. and look at like, what can you change? And so saying like, we actually have a lot more control of what that box is than we give mm-hmm. ourselves credit for. Right. And so sometimes, you know, is saying like hey well yeah we have to teach x amount of minutes but nobody said we have to do it five days a week the way we're doing we can mm-hmm. think different about this right so right. i think that's kind of that concept and i think a lot like i said a lot of people have more control over what that box is than we pretend mm-hmm. we always well if the government well if our principal well if this it's like well there's a lot of things i have control over too and i think that mm-hmm. also ties to in the innovator's mindset like hey this is what i have control over what can i do with with what i have control over how can i reshape it to what bet best meets the needs of my teachers and my students.
0: Right. And it's interesting. Uh, I'm wondering if you feel that some of that resistance on administrators parts and also on teachers parts is because they don't feel supported and they don't get the ongoing professional development that they need. And so it's really hard for them to innovate inside the box because they don't know what the alternatives are. And it's scary in a way. It's uh, daunting. They feel like it's going to take a lot of time to make that transition. Yeah. Uh, do you do you get that sense? Or do you hear that from teachers?
1: Um, so I actually, I, I don't. So, and this is, I'm going to try to word this correctly. I don't think ongoing professional development is an issue. I think we give tons of professional development to our teachers. Mm-hmm. The issue is. It's tons of professional development in ten million different things, right? So, so like yes. we have a lot of professional development, and yes. it's like we we're like, hey, we're gonna do this, and then and then we do it for kind of part of a year, and then we start kind of just starting to understand it, you know, not really understanding it, but just kind of getting mm-hmm. to that, and then we're like, okay, to the next thing. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we we provide sometimes a lot of
0: all over the place things. Sometimes totally. it's not even right. half a year. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we're, we're just, and I think this is something I've been really trying to get through to people is that when I talk about innovation, yeah. um, I define it clearly in innovator's mindset that it has to be new and better, right? Mm-hmm. And when I talk about it, I I I separate that into innovation to be either invention, like something totally new, right, or iteration, something that. So for example, right, the original iPhone was an innovation, right? Mm-hmm. But no, if I said, hey, thanks for listening, we're giving all, uh, you know, listeners of the podcast a new iPhone, uh, the first version, people are like, oh, I don't want that, it's a brick, like who's using, because it doesn't have anything, <laughs> here, right? but I at know. the time it's very innovative, right? Mm-hmm. And so like uh, uh, iteration is the latest version of that iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. Which is much more innovative. So, and and you could do stuff, but they have that same similar product and then they continuously develop it tweak it make it better right but what we do is we go from the iphone uh to like uh, uh like uh to like uh hockey skates to like like it's just it's like it's not even yeah. in the same realm it's mm-hmm. like we go to like totally different uh things where we haven't had that time so i think um one of the things i talk about in innovator's mindset is the idea of less is more that we have to focus on fewer things and do them better so when i talk yeah. about innovation it's more focused on the better part cuz like mm-hmm. just doing new stuff is not innovation right mm-hmm. it has to be better and better is done through depth and through yeah. uh, a continuation of that and i think it takes some courageous leadership to say like hey we're actually not going to jump onto that new thing we're not going to like get onto that new app mm-hmm. because we haven't got the last stuff down really well and we, we should know it inside out. And I'll give you an example, like as an administrator, cause I like, I want to be on the cutting edge. Right. And so when I was a first year principal, I remember talking to my staff and saying like, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm really big in technology. So I want to, you know, give our kids all these opportunities. So this week or this month, at our staff meeting, uh, I'm going to give you 10 new tools that we can use. Right. So I, go over like 10 tools, right? Because I want to give them as much choice as possible. So then the next month, hey, guess what? We're going to do 10 new tools. I want to give you all these new ideas. Then the next month, guess what? 10 new tools, did that all year, right? (laughs) 10 times, you know, so by the end of the year, they got 100 new tools, they have access. And what I found was my teachers were like, like I hate technology. Like this guy's like, just pretty- whoa, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get down like one of the last ten things, and he's springing ten new things. Yes. So I, I, so this is again, you know, I'm like, hey, my approach isn't working there. So it wasn't like, yeah, oh, my yeah. staff—they're so terrible. It's like mm-hmm. mm, maybe I'm doing something wrong. So the the following year, I said, okay, I actually don't like the approach that I took last year. So I think that I do believe technology is really important. We need to actually. Mm-hmm think more about it, but let's actually be more intentional. So we have this team together and what we've actually kind of based on what you're asking for, what your needs are, we've decided we're going to focus on these three things for the next three years. So we're going to talk about Google apps for collaboration, WordPress for portfolios and Twitter for professional learning. Now, Over the next three years, this is all we're going to focus on. So Mm -hmm. we're not going to do any PD on other stuff. We're not going to, you know, teach other things. If you would like to go out on your own and explore some different technologies, Mm -hmm. you're more than welcome to. But we're not going to give you any support on that. Like that's what we're focused on because we need you to know the person across the hallway is using the exact same thing that you are. So we're going to know this so inside out that you you're good that's where the innovation is going to start happening right and, and it's kind of like hey we're going to do drawing with a pencil for like a week and then we're doing painting and then we're doing this because we want to expose our kids to so many things
0: yes but actually oh not
1: helping kids like hey yeah. maybe this kid needs more time to become a better drawer like you're not going to become an amazing at drawing if you can't actually have time mm-hmm. to like repeat it develop those
0: skills yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah so people were much more um, open to that and what was interesting is I one of the reasons I shifted, I was, I, I had this conversation with a staff that was not mine. And one of them seemed really frustrated. I said, well, do you like, would you rather, would you rather me like expose you to these new ideas? Or do you want me just to tell you what to do? She's like, just tell us what to do and give us support. I was oh, like,
0: yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And I
1: was like, Oh, and I said, and so then I asked the whole group, I'm like, would you prefer that I picked a few things for you? promise you support or do you just want to kind of go on your own? And I think if you listen to Barry Schwartz talks about the paradox of choice, they said, Mm -hmm. look, just pick for us and just let it like, please like give us support. Let us know you have our backs kind of thing. And when he talked about paradox of choice, he's basically saying there's so much choice in our world that we always are concerned we're making the wrong decision and we're never really happy with our decision. Mm -hmm. So sometimes less choice is actually more powerful and, and really kind of focusing on that. So like I said earlier, it's not that we don't have a ton of professional development. I think we just have uh, too many things that we focus on and too many professional developments where we don't actually have time to like explore, understand, like, what does this mean for learning? We're just always going to the new thing. And it's like one of the biggest complaints in education is like, Oh, this is just coming around again. we're just it's doing the this flavor
0: thing. of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then like, it's going to come back in 10 years as something else repackaged mm-hmm. by somebody. So like, I, I'll be honest with you, like, I haven't really, I've been really focusing on innovation. I've been really focusing on some of the things I did 10, 11 years ago. And some people are like, Oh, are you worried that you're like, some of the ideas that you're doing are outdated? I'm like, no, because I know them inside out. And I'm really focused on doing them really well and understanding mm-hmm. them and, and focusing on depth and really looking at these, how do I make these things timeless? Like, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example of this. Dale Carnegie, he wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. Right. And I, someone suggested the book to me and I read it and there's like some old references in it, but it's such an amazing book. It's so incredible. It's a
0: classic, yeah. Right.
1: And then I was like, huh, like how have I never heard of this book? You know, how come it took me this long to read it? And then I looked at when it was written and I read it maybe like three, four years ago. It was written like in the 1930s. It was the mm-hmm. first, and I was like, that's incredible that a book that was written literally when my dad was born. Mm-hmm. is now, and my dad is born, passed away and is still relevant and still has like yeah. timeless lessons. And how do we do that in education? Like, how do we actually like, so like I own a publishing company and that's one of the things I have is like, are the ideas you're sharing going to be timeless 20 years from now? Like, can mm-hmm. I pick this book up 20 years from now? Like innovators mindset is uh, coming up on six years old this year and people are picking up right now. People mm-hmm. said to me, one of the nicest compliments I got about both my books, somebody said to me, your books are pandemic proof. They mm-hmm. still apply and they're not like flavor of the week. And I think a lot of people are trying to jump on pandemic stuff mm-hmm. and pandemic learning that, they're not connecting, whereas I'm really trying to figure out on that timeless stuff, like the things that, you know, are going to matter years and years from now.
0: Right. And I think
1: that's, that's when, we're, when we're looking at how we support our teachers. I, like we always say, like, let's not fill their plate. Well, they don't have plates. They have platters and they're overflowing. Like they have so many things to do. But then we just bombard, bombard, bombard. And you asked about administrators. And one of the things I always say to administrators is if you're making decisions for the classroom, you have to be in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And that includes superintendents. And I don't know if this is a thing where you are, Eileen, but there's a thing I call the superintendent entourage where the superintendent comes in with like board members. They walk in, they do the little meal down with kids. They don't Mm -hmm. really know what's going on in the class because everyone's faking for 10 minutes.
0: It's a photo op. (laughs) 100%,
1: 100%. And so- What I used to do when I worked in central office and I made a lot of decisions about the technology for teachers in their classrooms, I would actually just spend three hours in a classroom with my laptop, answering emails and just being in the space. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. And I always would say to the the teachers I was in the classroom, look, I'm not here to observe you. I'm here to observe the environment we put you in. And so I can understand how we can like take stuff off your plate, make your life easier. Mm -hmm. And I would see like, for example, teachers standing on desks, holding up iPads, trying to catch a Wi-Fi signal. And oh, I, I would call the IT department. I'm like, "Hey, Wi-Fi is not good in here. This teacher is like willing to do anything to get it working. But 90% of our teachers are not. As soon as this happens, they'll say, I'll never use this again. Absolutely. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that it's accessible. It's mm-hmm. easy to use. Kids can get on. Like the, the login time is way easier for our teachers.
0: Yeah. But you would have and never I, known that if you hadn't spent time in the classroom,
1: right? And if I would have been there for 10, 50 minutes, just kind of dropped in, I wouldn't have seen mm-hmm. that because they probably wouldn't even they're like, I'm not going to try something that's not going to work in front of this guy when he's only here for a few minutes, right? Sure. Whereas sure. From there, they're like, well, he's not leaving. So you know, I, I got <laughs> to do stuff.
0: my job. Yeah, gotta
1: do what I got to do. And so mm-hmm. you, you see that in that classroom. And I remember actually calling the IT department while I'm in the teacher's classroom, the teacher looking at me going, thank you like, thank you, like, advocate. And that, and I think that's a lot of times when we look at our our jobs as administrators, our job is to take stuff off of the plate of the people Mm -hmm. we serve, not to add. And like, I even had a conversation with a teacher just yesterday that I've known for a long, long time I said, I guarantee you right now, cause it's February, you probably just got through all your central office surveys and all those right. surveys are there to like justify why they do what they do to get information. They might've show up to your school and brought pizza cause you'll fill it out and be nicer. Cause you're full and things like that. Whereas like, do we really need that? Like, do we really need that stuff? Like I should be able to collect those examples through what I see on Twitter or things like that. But do I need to bombard teachers with more work? Cause as administrators i'm trying to get everything off the plate of my teachers so they can just teach right and mm-hmm. it's not totally possible but trying to get it as close mm-hmm. to their vision of what they thought teaching would be when they entered the profession because a lot of people realize when they come into education what they see on tv and what they want to be mm-hmm. is 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 about 20% and the other 80% is paperwork stupid stuff that they're like, why do I have to do this? And my job is to make that percentage as low as possible. So Mm -hmm. they can have as much time to teach work with kids as possible. And I think that's as administrators, that is our job.
0: Absolutely. And, and the whole thing is we, we want to be sure that the teacher walks into that school building, looking forward to the day rather (laughs) than agonizing over what and you and you hear it all the time you read it all the time on social media rather than agonizing over you know what what stack of papers do I have to go through today and uh, actually this evening because in the you know during the day I'm I'm responsible for my students.
1: and this is like um, when you when you and that's a really great point when you like having teachers walk in wanting to be there that day right mm-hmm. and like Let alone not even thinking about the job, think about the stress of your life, stress of, you know, maybe family situations, you know, um, maybe stress you're going through with your partner, with your children, things like that, right?
0: right? There's
1: already that part of life that we have to acknowledge exists, obviously, because it affects how we perform in the classroom. So can always listen to my teachers and, you know, help them the best I can through that situation. But what can I do as much as possible to make sure my teachers, I can remove a lot of those stresses from my teachers. And one of the things I'm guilty of, and not that I don't agree with it, but I think my approach is better now is that I used to like, always say like, Hey, we well, got to do what's best for kids. And I think sometimes I would go to a point where I would kind of just forget the adults, right? Like, hey, even if this Mm -hmm. stresses you out, even if this is horrible, it's best for kids, so we gotta do it, right? We
0: have to do it, yeah.
1: And so for me, where I've progressed and grown is saying, okay, if I can alleviate that stress from that teacher as much as possible, Mm -hmm. and they're happier when they go in that classroom, when they're excited about it, that is what's best for kids. Yes. And it doesn't mean, hey, teachers do whatever you want. That's not it at all. And I like one thing I hear teachers say, and it's actually, I don't think it's a great sign of a principal, is when they say to me, like, I'm like, hey, tell me what your principal, oh, they let me do whatever they want, whatever I want. I'm like, that's not a good sign because I know people that are really good who leave places because they feel they're not mentored. They're not, Mm -hmm. they don't push, right? And I think it's that balance. Like, they're not
0: valued.
1: Yeah. The best administrators I had. If you, they just let you do whatever you want because they don't feel like can't make you grow you kind of like you just want to move on because you're like yes. I'm not getting better here mm-hmm. so you got to find that that place where the person supports you and mm-hmm. and they, they have your back they know this but they're they, you know they support you so much and they, and they got your back but they're also helping you grow yes. because if you don't grow and it's the same thing for kids we, we, we want like it's actually a good thing if class is hard for all of our kids mm-hmm. in some way. We don't want to make it as easy as possible because our world is not easy and it's not like, Oh, get kids prepared for the real world. But that is life. Life is, has challenges. Mm-hmm. Life ha- ha- has these things. And yeah. so it's okay for school to be a challenge, sometimes boring, sometimes struggling. But if the the teacher, if the kid doesn't believe the teacher has their back is supporting mm-hmm. them, then yeah, then it's it's not a good space. And it's the same is true for our teachers. They, we have to make it where they're excitable class and part for I guess maybe that's like a personal uh, preference is yeah, I want to be challenged in my work. I want to grow that is purposeful. I don't want everything to be super easy in what I have to teach and some of the struggles I have. But I, I, do, I don't need stuff that doesn't really matter. Like I think sometimes we think like, oh no, that's part of teaching is doing all that paperwork. Does that really matter? Like at the end of the day, is that what's really important? And I think sometimes the things that are really important should be hard, right? Should be struggle. But mm-hmm. sometimes we add extra stuff that has no real value in our schools and classrooms. And we can take those things. And I think that again, going back to the notion of innovating to the box, it's like, do we really need this? Like, do we really need this experience, right? And so right. I, I think it's kind of finding that balance for yeah. Our,
0: our, and, and again, looking, you know, at the bottom line, looking at the purpose. So, George, this has been absolutely fantastic. And I, I hate for it to end. We're uh, coming down to the end. Where are the best places to find you? And of course, I'll clu- include all that in the show notes, including links to your books, Great. and anything else that you think is important for, for the listeners to have. But where are the best places to find you if people want to hop off after they listen to the podcast? And
1: yeah, so and my blog's at georgecouros.ca and it's G-E-O-R-G-E-C-O-U-R-O-S.ca. I'm based in Canada and you can see mm-hmm. all my stuff there. Uh Twitter's G Carose, Instagram's G Carose, So if you find me there, right? But uh, if you Google me, you'll find me everywhere. So that's probably the easiest way. And
0: a lot of your quotes, which I love. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, yeah. George, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for thanks for accommodating me today. So I appreciate you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website. Journeys to Belonging. That's journeys number two belonging dot web starts.com. See you next week.